Let's talk about Red McCombs. Let's talk about the Wilfs. Let's talk about the Vikings' decision, their pending decision, on what to do with Zadaria Smith. Let's talk about all of that with the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, Jeff Diamond. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's absolutely free. Or you can go to TalkNorth.com and you can subscribe to all the shows you like. Or you can find all the shows there and all the archives. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. And Platinum Bank, thanks also to our, our, our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, before we get to actual football stuff, Red McCombs uh, passed in the last week. Uh, I had a pretty good relationship with him early in his tenure. Uh, you know, flew around with him on his private jet, did a couple of stories on him, found him to be a wonderful character. Um, then, you know, once the, the Vikings started losing, then he was just a guy who wanted to sell the team and move on. He wasn't as much fun at that point. What was your, you know, you were around the league running other, running the Vikings, running other teams. What was your impression of Red? What are your memories of Red? Red was a character and a lot of bluster, as you know, very well from being around him and the team during those years. He certainly had a lot of passion as an owner, as passionate as any owner I've ever seen, uh, even though he lived out of town, down in San Antonio. And uh, I, I liked Red personally. It, it was kind of, a, kind of a strange situation because, of course, I, I was there with him only one year, which was during the, the great 15 and one season. And, and I ended up leaving after that season uh, because my contract was up and Danny Green wanted to take over the GM and the head coach duties. And Ed Red kind of bought into that, which was unfortunate. And Tim Connolly came in and was kind of backdooring me. So a lot of things were happening during that year, but I got to say, Whenever I saw him in future years, and, and he would actually say to me, hey, I never should have let you get away to Tennessee. He was very nice. Um, so it, it, it's just I had always had mixed feelings about Red and working for him. But during the time that I was there with him, I liked him personally. And as I said, a lot of passion that he brought as an owner. And I, I just remember him showing up at training camp yelling, purple pride, purple pride. <laughs> And it was it was kind of a, a crazy scene around Red McCombs. It was. Uh, he was very interesting. And, and, you know, the franchise was really undergoing a massive sea change at that point, too. And you saw it yourself. You grew up with the Vikings. You worked in the organization a long time. You worked at different levels of the organization under many different coaches and administrations. And, you know, before 98, that organization was, you know, they didn't always sell out. You know, the NFL was growing fast, but the TV money wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And the Vikings were, you know, the Vikings were the most popular team in town, but they weren't absolutely dominant. And then 98 comes and they draft Randy Moss and Red McCombs takes over and starts yelling purple pride. And all of a sudden you couldn't get a ticket. And all of a sudden people are building their entire weekends around partying around Viking games. That was not the case previously. I know you're right. And, and we, we had always found a way to, to get the tickets sold, whether it was through the blackout rules or this and that. But I think certainly starting with that 98 season, the, the passion for the team really was, I, I don't want to say it grew because it was fantastic back in the 60s, as we know, in, in the 70s when we were a Super Bowl team and when I first started with the team back then. But 
it that 98 season was a little bit of a pivotal point because we were just such an exciting team to watch record setting offense defensive force turnovers made plays and came right down to, of course that infamous game against Atlanta and so so yeah I think from that standpoint it was, it was certainly a, a very very memorable year and with a, a memorable owner in Red McCombs and and I certainly send my condolences to his family uh, his wife Charlene was was a wonderful person she passed away a couple of years ago and we had a lot of involvement with her through through the Vikings uh, Children's Fund, the charity work, and uh, through my wife and I. So yeah, it's just uh, as I said, he he lived a, a good long life, whatever ninety five years old, and and very sports oriented through the Spurs and through the Vikings and and his connections at, at Texas with the Longhorns. So. Uh, Red McCombs will, will certainly be remembered. Uh, no doubt about it. And, and my personal memories of him were fond. Uh, the times I dealt with him, he was a lot of fun. And, and uh, you can't really beat having characters in sports, as you know. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's now transition to the Wilfs. Uh, they've been owners for quite a while now. They may have made some, uh, some rookie mistakes early on, at least in the way they handled things. And now they really are almost, to me, ideal owners. They stay in the background. They fund the organization uh, very well. They've gotten great facilities built. Uh, they treat their employees well. They're making a lot of money uh, and they've hired really good people in general. Yeah, I think you're right. and, and I, I think that they are, are very good stewards of the franchise, more or less, as owners and, and do the right things uh, on and off the field with, with uh, community work, with charitable work, and just with the, as you said, the facilities that they build and invested in, and, and just look at what's what's going on out in Egan at, at, at TCO Performance Center and the surroundings and just the buildup out there is just really phenomenal what's happening. And, and so I, I definitely salute them. They've always been very nice to me whenever I've, I've come in contact with, with Ziggy or Mark. And so I, I think that they are, are excellent owners. And, and certainly it's, it's always good to have one primary ownership family, more or less. And I think that's what the Vikings have with, with the Wilfs, which they also had with Red, uh, compared to the, the decade when we were dealing with 10 different owners and uh, during during the Roger Hedrick reign, and that was a little more difficult when we had so many different people that were involved at that time. So I, I think it it certainly is is more ideal, and which is why the NFL wants to have a primary owner involved with franchises. And I think the Wilson have done a great job with the Vikings, and I, I like the the recent hires that they've made uh, with perhaps Quasi Adolfo Menza still. We'll see what happens with future drafts and acquisitions, but but I think he's been off to a good start, uh, especially when you think about a trade such as TJ Hawkinson, which was a, a instrumental part in, in helping the Vikings to a 13-win season. And then you and then you think about um, the hiring of Kevin O'Connell, which which I, I think he did a, a great job in his first year. And now he's brought on Brian Flores, which I think is going to add some juice to the defense. So there's a lot of good things happening. There's a lot of challenges ahead for the team. 
And, and that certainly starts with ownership and with management. And you look at the free agency period coming up, and there are a lot of key players to make decisions on. Guys like Dalvin Cook, Zadaria Smith, some of the players who are under contract, are they going to be able to keep these guys? You look at, at some of the free agents, such as Garrett Bradbury, Dalvin Tomlinson, Patrick Peterson, Greg Joseph. There are a lot of big decisions that are going to be made here in the next, in the next uh, really, couple weeks uh, to three weeks before free agency starts on, on March 15th. So a lot of excitement ahead. The NFL Combine's next week. A lot of stuff happening. The franchise tag deadlines have, have now begun uh, through through March 7th, so teams can tag teams. I don't see the Vikings spit, uh, putting that kind of money towards any particular free agent when you look at those franchise tags and how expensive they are. But a lot of things are going to be happening very soon. And, and of course, that Justin Jefferson contra- contract extension is definitely on the horizon, too. No doubt about it. Before we get to specifics on the Vikings, just tell me what was it like to work in the organization? Because I started covering the team when the Gang of Ten was still in force, and I remember always talking to Erwin Jacobs and Wheelock Whitney and some of the other owners. And it could be really contentious. And Mike Lynn had to have a you know a chair and a whip to kind of kind of get through the day. What was that like for for you in the front office back? Yeah, it, it was it was certainly a. A little bit more anxiety, shall I say, in some of those years, especially during the Polad Jacobs uh, versus versus the the Mike Lynn group uh, and and the Max Winter group and Skoglin and Steele and that whole crew. Those were kind of acrimonious times. But then when when Mike put his group together, the group of ten owners, I think things settled down and and Polad and Jacobs were bought out at that point. But again, when you had 10 owners, it was just, I, I would call it cumbersome because you'd have have an owner come into your office and, and say, I don't know anything about football, but what, what, you, what were you thinking when you did this? Yep. <laughs> so as opposed to having one owner to answer to, it was really kind of a, a breath of fresh air for me when I went down to Tennessee and I had Bud Adams, who had been an NFL owner since 1960. And and Bud would say to me, "Hey, you got a salary cap, you got a budget. If you're going to pay one player a little bit more, you're going to pay one another player a little bit less. Give me a call if you need money for a signing bonus for Steve McNair, Eddie George." And Bud's big big thing was he was worried about getting concerts into the stadium because we ran the stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but he was an owner who still obviously was very hands-on, but it was one person to deal with after I dealt with 10. And, and that, that was, that was tough. And then of course my last year in Minnesota with red, it was only one owner again, which was better, but, but that one didn't, didn't end quite so well. And I ended up in Tennessee, but it was a blessing in disguise for me because I, instead of a GM, I became a team president and, and had, uh, went to a place with a brand new stadium, brand new practice facility and ended up in the Super Bowl. So, Things worked out okay in the final analysis. I never really wanted to leave Minnesota, but had to do it at that point and and was was happy to come back here a few years ago. <laughs> and by the way, uh, you, your team that you're president of came within a foot of winning a Super Bowl. Have you ever thought about – obviously, you're, you've had a great career and you've gotten to do all kinds of cool stuff and winning, you know, winning that ring isn't really everything in sports, even though fans like to say it is, but – do you think your life would be any different if 
that ball had just barely stretched over the goal line. Well, we, we still would have had to win in overtime. So. True. I guess that's true. Yes. <laughs> but I think we would have because we had all the momentum at that point. We had made a big comeback in the second half, and, and, I, and I think the Rams were, were kind of out of gas at that point. So, yeah, I think we would have won that game. And certainly you think about it. But honestly, Jim, to me, getting to the Super Bowl – and we've talked about this before, which is why I always said the, the conference championship games are the most pressure-filled games. It, it was more heartbreaking to me to lose the Atlanta game in 98 when we were on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. And we'd done all the preparation for the Super Bowl. We were all ready. We had all of our ticket allocations and, and our books printed for the players and coaches and staff on what they're going to get and had all our events lined up. It, it was much more devastating to lose the conference championship in in 98 against Atlanta uh, when we had such a great team. And, and and then again in 2002 with the Titans, we got to the AFC championship uh, against the Raiders and lost, but at least we had gone to the Super Bowl in 99 with the Titans. And, and of course I went to the Super Bowl my first year with the Vikings. So uh, I, I think it was much more difficult to lose those conference championship games than to lose the Super Bowl. But I certainly would have liked to have won, won one, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, this is TalkNorth.com. We also do the Viking Update show. We have Mike Grimm on the Gophers. We have Russo and many others on hockey. We have a bunch of hockey shows. Uh, John Krasinski on the Wolves. We have uh, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, and myself on the Chin Music Show uh, talking about a very interesting Twins team and Twins spring training with John Millay on preps. Cheryl Reeve on basketball. We have all kinds of shows, tons of outdoor content. Uh, Dave Lee and Joe Anderson doing variety shows. Check it all out at talknorth.com. If you like a show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Right now, we would like to thank our longtime sponsors here on uh, on Jeff Diamond's show. And let's start with White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. And my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, they're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website. We always talk about it, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 2.9% APR on all GMC Sierra 1500s, 3.9% APR on Buick SUV models, and 3.9% APR plus a $750 purchase allowance on GMC terrains and no monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is a Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, a wonderful sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. 
To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. All right, let's talk about one of the big decisions upcoming for the Minnesota Vikings. Next week will be the Combine. We're starting to roll toward the draft and free agency. Uh, What do you think they do in terms of Zadarius Smith? Just bring him back on his current contract, try to get him to renegotiate. How important is he to this team, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's one of the really interesting and major questions that, that are facing the Vikings brass right now in trying to figure out, first of all, they have to get cut about $23 million in salary in salary cap room to be uh, under the cap going into the new league year that starts on March 15th. And, and we know an easy way to do that, to get most of that money, will be to uh, add a year to Kirk Cousins' contract, a year or two, which I think he deserves after his performance last season notwithstanding the last play of the game against the Giants. <laughs> but other than that, he had, a, had certainly had a great year. And so I, by extending him, they can certainly free up about 15 to $20 million of cap room that they're going to need to be able to participate in free agency, to be able to re-sign a couple of key pending free agents, such as perhaps Dalvin Tomlinson, their excellent defensive tackle, Garrett Bradbury, I think, is an interesting case that we can talk maybe more about in the future. Um, he certainly had a much better year last season until he hurt his back and then did not play well against the Giants. And you got Patrick Peterson, Alexander Madison, if they decide to let Dalvin Cook go and, and save a bunch of cap room. But Zadarius Smith, to me, when the Vikings defense was playing okay in the first half of the season, before they started having all those 400 yard plus games they're giving up they were playing okay early and and he was the best player on that defense he had nine and a half sacks 17 quarterback hits 14 tackles for loss 29 tackles uh, over the first eight nine games of the season and at that point he was playing at a certainly uh, an elite level he was even in the conversation for defensive player of the year as you know as we talked about, and he was a bargain for his $14 million a year contract at that point. Now, when Brian Flores, the new defensive coordinator, turns on the tape, and he's doing that right now, he's evaluating all those defensive players, all those potential free agents, and reporting back to O'Connell and and to Adolfo Menza on, on who he thinks they should keep in order to effectively run his defense, which is going to be a 3-4 base, but a lot more aggressive than what Ed Donatel ran. And when he sees Zadarius Smith in the first nine games, he's going to say, I got to have this guy as an edge rusher. When he watches the the last eight games or the last nine games, I guess it was eight for Zadarius because he, he missed the, the last regular season game against the Bears. He went from terrific to dramatically worse. He had only a half a sack, eight quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, over the last eight games and in the playoff loss to the Giants, no sacks, no no QB hits. So which Cesarius Smith can they get? Now, we know he was dealing with, with a knee problem the second half of the season, which obviously slowed him down. He also had the back injury in Green Bay in 2021. So if you keep him, and if they do, they're going to have to probably restructure his contract because he's got a $17 million cap number. 
but that's that's not a problem. Hey, the Eagles do it all the time with their players. They restructure everybody and just figure they'll pay the piper down the road. But if they decided to cut Zadarius, they would save $13.6 million. I'm not advocating to cut him. I'm saying talk to your doctors, your team doctors, your team athletic trainers, and get a read on do they think that, that they can manage him health-wise so that he can be the impact player he was in the first half of the season. And I think what was really interesting is as, as he his performance curtailed the second half, Daniil Hunter came on as he got more comfortable in the 3-4. So if you're keeping Hunter and probably extending him, which I think they should definitely do, uh, and he's still only, whatever, 27, 28 years old, if your doctors think that Zedarius, that, that knee was just a, a one-off deal and they can manage him, I think he should be here, then restructure his contract because you've got to have pass rushers. It's one thing the Eagles showed. They didn't necessarily show it against the Chiefs in the, in the Super Bowl, but they showed it all season with their 70 sacks that they had just a, a plethora of pass rushers. I think if you take Zedarius out of the mix or Daniil, then you sure better have a replacement through free agency or the draft. And it puts a lot more pressure on maybe to use a first round pick for an edge rusher when they probably really need a corner if they can keep Zedarius. So get with your, with your doctors and your trainers and see what, what they have to say about it. I think Zedarius Smith, when he's right, he's a keeper. When he's not right, he's too expensive. No doubt about it. Uh, would you, even if they keep Zedarius Smith, and Daniel Hunter, would you prioritize pass rusher in the draft? Or if you keep Desarius, that mean you look elsewhere? I think that DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones did some good things as pass rushers. And I think that Brian Flores is going to be <laughs> more aggressive with his with his blitzing. And so I think they can get pressure. But, <laughs> but certainly, now they don't have a lot of draft picks, though. You, they've only got a first-rounder number 23 overall. They got a third rounder, a fourth and a fifth because they traded some picks for, for Hawkinson, which was certainly a, a great trade and definitely worthwhile, but, but they're lacking draft picks. Now they may get some compensatory picks. We'll see. I, I think that, yeah, I think they probably should look at maybe an, another edge rusher possibly with that third round pick or beefing up the offensive line. One of those two things, if, if they do go ahead and draft a corner, in the first round, it's a pretty good corner draft, and I, I think that that they definitely should take a good, strong look at that. But not at the not at the at the cost of taking a better player at another position. If there is an offensive lineman, or if there is a pass rusher at number twenty three that could make an immediate impact, then certainly you could think about that. But the, but the corner is going to be a priority. Zadarius, so yeah, that's going to be one of the cases I'm really going to be watching closely. He and Garrett Bradbury and Dalvin Tomlinson, to me, the most interesting free agent decisions coming up for the Vikings, along with are they going to keep Dalvin Cook at his high cap number, which I anticipate they will not do that, as we've talked about before, and and perhaps be able to re-sign Alexander Madison, go with Madison and Kane Wong-Wu and... The uh, the youngster they drafted last year, the running back Chandler, yep, Chandler, yeah, Ty Chandler, yeah, and so I, I think that they could go with those guys and and be okay because Dalvin's productivity had declined over the last certainly this past year, but he still made some huge plays and he, and he's still a, 
a very good player. He's just a little too expensive in this era when teams are not paying running backs. And as we said, all you got to do is look at the Super Bowl, and neither the Chiefs nor the Eagles had a running back making more than $1.7 million against the cap. And the Eagles had Miles Sanders, who's now a free agent, and I'll be very surprised if they re-sign him. I think they'll end up going with Gainwell, who was their number two guy, and, and save that money. One more topic for today. Of course, we're going to be talking much more about the draft, the combine, off-season decisions coming up. For today, just tell us uh, you know, how the franchise tag works and whether the Vikings will be tempted to use it on anybody this year. Yeah, the franchise tag, of course, is the, uh, it's a one-year tender at the average of the top five players salary-wise at that position. It's a very costly tag to use. There's also the transition tag, which is the average of the top 10 players at the position. And that only gives the team a right of first refusal, whereas the franchise tag, if it's non-exclusive, a team can still put an offer sheet on a player. They'd have to give up two first-round picks, and uh, that's rarely, if ever, happened in the NFL. It could happen for someone such as maybe Daniel Jones, if the Giants end up franchising him on the non-exclusive tender, because I think he's a really good player. And for two first-round picks for a quarterback, someone may jump on that. And I don't think the Giants would use the exclusive franchise tag on him, which I think the Ravens probably will do on Lamar Jackson, or a good chance they could. The, the exclusive for a quarterback is $45 bucks for one year, whereas the non-exclusive is 32 And so it's going to be really fascinating to see what the Giants do with, with Daniel Jones. Uh, I certainly think he's a, a rising star in the league, and we saw that in the playoff game, although it was against the Vikings' lousy defense at that point in time. And against the Eagles in the next round, Daniel Jones was brought back to earth in a hurry. But the Giants also have Saquon Barkley. So there's a good chance they may sign one of those guys and franchise the other guy. And I would certainly, if I'm sitting at the Giants situation, I would want to sign Daniel Jones, try to get him around $35 million a year or so, and then franchise Saquon Barkley because the franchise tag for a running back is $10 million, which is much more palatable than some of the other tags, such as the defensive tackle. It's, it's over $18 bucks. They're not going to – I don't think the Vikings are going to do that on Dalvin Tomlinson, even though they want to keep him. So it makes it very difficult – with some of those very high price tags. Same thing with the offensive line with, with Bradbury. They're not going to tag him when the when the offensive line franchise tag is around that $18 million level. So it's, uh, it's tough, but that's the way franchise and transition tags work. And sometimes they work to a team's benefit. Sometimes they don't. Uh, back in the day, I had Robert Smith as a transition player uh, because we had actually – had the franchise tag on John Randall. In those days, you could use both tags. Now you can only use one or the other. And I, we, I had the fran- transition on Robert Smith. He got an offer from Seattle, Seattle that we had to match and make him equal to the highest paid running back in the league. And that was a tough one to do when he'd had some injuries. So that's how franchises and transition tags work. And they have until March 7th to exercise those tags. 
And, and next week, Jim, we can talk a little bit more, more about combine. We can talk about some of the coach head coaches on the hot seat already in the NFL. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. We will have a lot to get to next week. I wanted to spend some time on the Wilfs and the Vikings and Mc, Red McCombs, the Vikings ownership structure this week. Hey, thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore. Thanks to Platinum Bank. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And as always, thanks to Jeff Diamond. We'll talk to you next week.